Amen. Thank you, Carl. See you this morning. So good to see you this morning. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for um, saying happy birthday. I hope you will make plans. Come join us for our party. And um, after last year, there were a couple of times last year, I wondered if I'd make it to 50, but praise God, I think I, on the upswing, and uh, Lord willing, I've still got 10 more days to make it, but uh, I think I'm going to make it. So, uh, and uh, we do celebrate the Lord's goodness and uh, his faithfulness to us, and uh, he's the only way we can uh, get through it, amen? And uh, so, uh, this morning, uh, we're continuing our look at Galatians uh, as Paul writes this letter and the overarching theme is grace alone, that the only thing that can get us through is grace. We can't do it on our own. We can't be good enough. We can't buy it. We can't you know, pray enough. We can't fast enough. Nothing we can do. But God's grace gives it to us. And by God's grace, you and I, if you're a child of his, are a child of the king, and it's a wonderful thing, and Jesus uh, says, listen, you are uh, important to me, in fact, we're so important to Jesus, he said, he gave his life, and shed his innocent blood for my sin debt, and for your sin debt, and the sin debt of all the world, that we could have hope, and that we could have a new life, that's a wonderful thing, we must always be reminded that grace indeed does change things. And that's what Paul is getting to the point here in Galatians chapter 4 that we're going to look at today, is that when you've experienced grace, it changes the way that you live your life. Now, you are not saved by the change in your life. But because you are saved, because you're a child of, king, of the king, and because you've experienced grace, your life has changed. And if there's not been a change, then there's probably not been grace. And so let's take a look at what Paul says. Beginning in verse 1, he says, Now I say uh, that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time by his father. Even so, we were children who were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then indeed, when did you not know God? You served those which by nature are not God's. But now, after you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you would turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be held in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical inf infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. 
And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing that you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become an enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. But it is good uh, to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Uh, and we'll stop there uh, for this morning. Paul says, listen, I want you to live differently. I want you to understand that because of what grace has done in your life, you are called to live differently. Well, that's one thing to say that. It is another thing to do it. And we know, as all of us have experienced, sometimes the doing gets a little troublesome. And gets a little difficult. And so what's the answer to that? And I think Paul wants us to understand what the answer is. Is that we have to realize that when we're under grace, when we've received God's grace, we are no longer slaves, we're no longer children, but we have been chosen and adopted as sons and daughters of the King. And so we, Paul says... Start acting like it. Act like a child of the king. Act like somebody that has been set free by grace. And so Paul, I think, gives us three things that we have to do. And the key to all of it is not in our own strength. But he says, listen, you have been changed. And because you've been adopted as sons, God has sent the Holy Spirit to you. And that's the key. Because left on your own devices, you can't do it. But with the Holy Spirit's help, you can do it. You can experience grace and experience it more and more every day. And so Paul says, listen, I want you to remember these three important things. And the first is this, that if you're going to be a child of the king, you need to live by the Spirit. He said, listen, you once you know, had these rules that you had to keep. You don't have that anymore. Now you've reached that, that age of accountability, if you will. You've reached that age of fruition where you're considered grown up. You can make decisions for yourself. But not only can you make decisions for yourself, now you have to take responsibility for the decisions that you make. You see, we as God's children, we are free to make choices. And God will let you make any choice you want, even if it's a choice that's contrary to His will for your life. But understand that this, that when we make choices contrary to God's will for our life, there will be some consequences. There will be some things that are unavoidable because we've chosen to disobey God. And so Paul wants us to understand that, listen, the Holy Spirit has come 
and now has adopted you to remind you, and Jesus himself said the Holy Spirit would come as a seal of authenticity. Remember, he told his disciples, listen, I know you don't want me to go away, but it's for your benefit that I go. And if I go, remember, he said, I'm coming again. But he said, as I leave, I'm sending you a comforter. If I don't go, the comforter can't come. And so it's of your benefit that I'd go. And so Paul reminds the Galatian churches, Christians, and us that we must live our life by the Spirit. We must be led by the Spirit. And that means that the Holy Spirit, when our life is under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, guess where He's going to lead us? To holy things. The Holy Spirit will never ever ask you or tell you or give you permission to do something that's contrary to God's word. And contrary to God's character. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not going to say, Hey George, the church needs some money. Go rob the bank. It's okay. I'm telling you to do it. Oh, Brother George smarter enough. Than, you know, he, he's got plenty of guns. He could. But he's got enough smarts to know that wouldn't be wise. He knows that the Bible said, one of those commandments, do not steal. It doesn't have a little asterisk there where it says down in the footnotes, unless these can... No. It says don't steal. That truth of God's Word is still absolutely true. can't say, well, I'm under grace, so I can rob the bank if I want to. No, you can't. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something contrary. And you cannot have the attitude, well, I'm under grace, preacher. I'm just going to do it and ask forgiveness later. That's not how it works. That's how Satan would like us to think it works but that's not how it works and so as we live a life led by the spirit God will lead us to do holy things now we are not saved by these things but we do grow in grace because of these things and I tell you that the more we pray and the more we sing praises to God the more we worship with believers, the, the more we help others, the closer we are to Christ. Not because we're earning our way to greater rewards in heaven. Because as we do those things, it's a recognition that our life has been changed by grace. And that God gives us an opportunity to take that grace that he's given us and share it with others. Because grace is not something that can be kept to ourselves. And so the Holy Spirit will lead us, and this side of heaven we never become perfect, we never become sinless in this life. But when we are living by the Spirit, guess what happens? We sin less and less. It's not because we're better, not because we're becoming super Christians. It's because God has more and more of us. 
We don't get more of him. We have 100% of him. And the moment you ask Christ to come into your life and save you, you get it all, 100%. But the Holy Spirit does not always have 100% of us. But as we pray and we practice those spiritual disciplines and we strengthen our spiritual muscles, guess what happens? We get closer to the Lord. And we're more in tune with the Holy Spirit's voice. And we're more in tune with his leadership. So it gets easier for us to follow his leading. Like you've seen perhaps a, a baby animal being born, a calf or a horse or something. They're, they're, leg, they're big animals when they're born. When they pop out, there's a hot mess there. But when they stand up on those big long legs, they don't stand right away. You know something, there's not a, a baby colt that says, well, I tried to stand up once and it didn't work, so I'm just going to lay here. That wouldn't do, would it? You know what, those colts, those baby animals, whatever animal it might be, and humans, by the way, none of you walk as well as you do now when you were a baby. I hope not anyway. No, but you practice, and the more that those animals, they stand on those legs, and they move those muscles, guess what begins to happen? They get better at walking. And so then you have this horse that could, just a few minutes, barely wobble, and now they're a great runner, and they can really move. You see, as we are babies in Christ... We're wobbly in our walk by grace. But we shouldn't stay wobbly. We should be strengthened and grow in grace. And so that our walk with Christ becomes a lot easier because we've had some practice at it. And so... Paul says, listen, you need to live by the Spirit. Understand the law, the only thing it could do was show you what God's expectation was and then show you you can't keep it. You can't possibly measure up. By the way, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. And grace is not an abandonment of the law. What did Jesus say? He said, I came to fulfill the law. And so God's expectation, the things that God said was wrong in the Old Testament, still wrong. And those big ten commandments, there's still ten big things God expects his people to abide by. We do not have the right to say, well, we're under grace now. Let's just anything go. No. Because when we really have experienced grace and God changes us and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we learn to walk by the Spirit, how we walk changes. So the places we go change. And the way we do things change. And our priorities change. And so he says, listen, Galatian church, how is it? that you have been saved by grace and God's done this marvelous, wonderful work and you want to go back to the law. That you're worried about feast days and 
calendars and suns and moons and all these kind of crazy nonsense that don't have anything to do in the walk by the Spirit. Why do you want to be held back in bondage? And so Paul says, listen, don't live according to the law. He's not saying, when he says that, don't obey the law. He's saying don't live by the law. He says if you live by the law, you're going to die by the law. Instead he says, live by the Spirit. In other words, let God the Holy Spirit live and reign in your life and direct your path so that you know how to live and what direction you ought to pursue. So the Holy Spirit will not guide you to do things that are unholy. It will guide you to do things that are holy. And the things that help lead you to God. And help strengthen you in your walk with God. And so Paul says, don't be enamored with the law. But you live by the Spirit because by living, living and being led by the Spirit, you'll be obeying the law. But then he secondly said, listen, you need to live by the Spirit. Understand, you are not under law. And you're not bound, but you are children of the King. So live like it and live by the Spirit and the Spirit's direction. But then he says, listen, you also need to love by the Spirit. Well, so often our Sunday school class and our... um, Sermon just tend to mesh up a lot of times. And I don't do that necessarily on purpose. Maybe God does it on purpose. I don't know. Perhaps I think he probably does. Because he's trying to reinforce something to us. Paul says, listen, I came to you at first, and he had an infirmity. He never mentions what this infirmity is. Many think that it had something to do with his eyesight. Because he mentions it a couple different places. And this is one of those places where he mentions that he had trouble with his eyes. He says, I came to you out of necessity. In other words, for some reason, he had to make an emergency pit stop somewhere in the region of Galatia. And while he was there, he did what preachers tend to do. He preached. And people listened and people got saved. Paul said, this is good. I'll stay here a little while. And he does. Paul says, you love me, you receive me, even though I could barely see. You listened. And you welcomed me as you were welcoming Christ himself. Now, Paul is not equating himself with Christ. He's not saying he is. He's not saying he's an angel. But he's saying, you received me as somebody that God sent. In other words, you shed love on me. He said, in fact, you loved me so much that if it was possible, you would have plucked your own eye out and given it to me. Now, that's a lot of love. And so Paul is reminding us and reminding the Galatian church that, yes, God does tell us we're to live by the Spirit, but he also says you are to love 
by the Spirit. And the only reason, really, that, and the only way that any of us can really love is to have experienced God's love first. And to let the Spirit of God move and work in our life. And as He does that, we become more loving. It means we care about others. We build relationships with others. We're concerned about others, not just about ourselves. Nobody has to teach any of us to be selfish. The reality about every single one of us in this auditorium this morning is we are all selfish creatures. We tend to be most concerned about us. That's not, by the way, always a bad thing. But it is a bad thing when we consider only ourselves and we only think about ourselves. But the work of love by grace makes us concerned about others. So that manifests itself by us helping people that maybe are homeless, by helping reach people that have never heard the gospel and don't have hope and maybe are struggling with various things. He says, you remember, don't ever look down on somebody because you may not be in that position today, but you very well might be tomorrow. And it's only by God's grace that any of us aren't. But he says, listen, you need to love. How does the Spirit direct us to love? Well, the Spirit directs us, and just like grace does, it's available to anyone. See, God's grace is so great and vast that it can be applied to anyone that will receive it. And absolutely anyone, doesn't matter who they are, if they're breathing, they are candidates for God's love. Remember perhaps that great scripture, John 3.16, that maybe you know, if you don't know it by heart, you should work on memorizing it. It's a good one to know. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whosoever call upon him and not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm thankful that I'm part of that whosoever. I hope you're thankful you're part of that whosoever. But absolutely anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord, well, guess what that means? That means if we are children of the king, and we're living by the Spirit, and we're called to love by the Spirit, who does that mean we have to love? Everyone. Well, preacher, surely not. No. Everyone. Well, what, what about everyone? The great thing about grace is nobody's excluded from the ability to receive it. That it's there to anyone that will receive it. Now, remember, it's made available to everyone, but that doesn't mean everybody's going to receive it. And the reality is sometimes those people that are the most difficult to love are the ones that need it the most, but they're also the ones that are most difficult to do it for. Because they make it so hard. And so we want to say, well... You know, I tried. I'm checking them off my list and moving on. God doesn't let us do that. And that's not how God treats us. 
Where would any of us be if God only gave an offer of love and grace one time? And if we accepted it, that's great. But if we said no, God said, okay, I offered it once, you're done. Praise God, God is not a one-shot God. The chances are all of us can look back in our life and we can see countless times God was calling us and God was shedding his grace on us. And we were smacking him in the face and running as hard as we could the other way. He would have been right to say, well, I tried. Let him go. I've had enough of them. I've had enough of their foolishness. But he didn't. He kept on after you, didn't he? And so God says to us, if you're going to live like a child of king, you've got to pursue even those most difficult people to love, those people that might look different than you or believe different than you or behave different than you, maybe even those that don't like you, maybe even those that hate you, those that have called you names, those that have done things to hurt you, God says you love them. And then finally, he says, not only do you need to live by the Spirit and love by the Spirit, but Paul says, listen, you better listen by the Spirit as well. He said, there are those that are in your crowd. And remember, this was the reason Paul wrote this letter, because there are people who say, listen, yeah, you can be saved by grace, but it's not just grace, you've got to do these other things too. Paul says, hogwash. No, absolutely not. You don't have to, in fact, he says, these people are zealous for you to come to their way of thinking. They want you to be jealous for them. Don't listen to them. He says, they're wanting you to come and believe like they do, and they're heretics, they're false teachers. They're headed for a devil's hell, and they want you to come along with them. And so he, he says, listen, you understand, listen and understand that not everybody that says they're your friend is actually your friend. And not everybody that says, I want to walk along with you in your walk with Christ wants to walk with you in your walk with Christ. What they want to do is push you off the road. So listen to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit direct. Don't listen to just everyone that comes and says, listen, I have a message from the Lord. The Word of God says, discern the spirits. In other words, listen and let the Holy Spirit direct. Because the Holy Spirit is not only not going to lead you to something that's contrary to God's Word, the Holy Spirit is also not going to tell you one thing and tell me something else and tell Julie something else and tell each one of us something different and totally contrary to what, no. The Holy Spirit's going to say one thing. So the Holy Spirit says, as somebody saying, this is what God's Spirit told me, and there's probably going to be some discernment inside of you, and that's the Holy Spirit saying, listen, don't you listen to that crackpot. That ain't right. But friend, can I tell you something? That listening to the Spirit takes practice and it takes intention. It takes listening. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't speak with a megaphone. 
The Bible says God speaks in a still, small voice. Now, the Holy Spirit, sometimes He will grab you by the collar and shake you. He'll get that two-by-four and wallop you upside the head. But before He gets to those extremes, He's been softly talking. And so often we say, I've heard lots of people say, Preacher, I've been praying about this, and I just don't have an answer from the Lord. Well, one of two things has probably happened. Number one, the Lord has spoken to you, but you didn't like His answer. And so you say, well, I didn't get that message. Which is probably what happens most of the time when we get into that boat. Or... The Holy Spirit has been speaking, but we've been so busy and so loud doing other things that we can't hear Him. And so when we've prayed and we can't get to the Lord, we need to say, all right, Lord, have you really spoken? And I just didn't like what you heard. Let, let me do some searching. But sometimes we just need to get alone. And we need to get somewhere quiet. And we need to be still. I mean, we have to turn off the Facebook and the television and the radio and whatever else noise we've got going around us and just listen to the Word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because again, the Holy Spirit does speak. And the Holy Spirit was saying to these Galatians, listen, don't listen to that bozo. He's off his rocker. He's leading you contrary to what God's Word says, and you know better. Don't listen to it. But for whatever reason, they weren't listening. And so Paul had to write a letter and said, Hey, listen, I'm concerned about you, church, because you're listening to the wrong voices. You're listening to these false prophets and these false preachers that are teaching a di- preaching a different gospel than what God's Word says. And you're, not, you're listening to them instead of listening to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God always wants what's best for you. God really does want what's best for you. And He's not going to tell you to do something that's going to hurt you and be a harm to you. He's not going to send you someplace. He's going to abandon you. But can I tell you, the devil will. And so be careful what voice you're listening to. And so Paul says, listen, I urge you. He said, I feel like I need to come back to you. He said, I wish I could be saying something else. And, And Paul felt like he was being harsh. And he needed to be harsh because this church was in danger of losing what grace had bought for them. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a license to be free and live as a child of the king. It's one thing, you know, to be adopted, but and that's a great thing, but if you don't live like you're adopted, if you don't put that on, if you don't embrace that, What good has it done you? It hasn't done you much good. And Paul says the same is true with our walk with Christ. 
God intends for us to live as his child. And guess what that means? That means we can call him any time, day or night, and he'll answer. I mean, we can rush in his front door any time, day or night, and he's glad to see us. He's never too busy. And we've never done, you know, anything that he said, well, I'm sorry, my grace is up. You're out of luck, kid. Now, he probably should with all of us, but he doesn't. And that's why grace is so amazing. But when you've also experienced grace, that means that you live differently. And so Paul's challenge to us today is, are you living like a child of the king? Are you living like a slave? Are you, are you still bound to the law? Are you still bound to these former things? Are you bound to things that aren't good for you? Or have you been set free and are you living like a child of the king? Let's pray good. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and serves as this seal of authenticity if we're your child and we've experienced grace. Lord, help us to live by grace by the Spirit. Help us to love by the Spirit. Help us, Father, maybe most importantly, to listen to your Spirit when you speak to us, Lord. Help us to trust and obey. God, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be changed by grace. To remember that we are to serve you, to love you, and that means going to others and serving and loving them even when maybe they don't want to be. Lord, thank you again for your grace to help us to walk in it, we pray. Help us, we pray, to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this old hymn of response. And maybe if God's asked you to make a decision today, today would be a great day to do that. We do that by simply kneeling at the cross saying, God, I can't do it, but your grace can. And I want to let you. You see, God will take whatever situation and problem is in your life, but the truth is you have to let him. You, let it, you have to let him have his way. You say, Lord, I'm not the king, you are. The thing is, you're not God, but you're a child of his. So let's sing together.